Physicians of the Soul, on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. I'm excited this week that we have Dr. Stephen Yule to join us to talk about the Puritans, the physicians of the soul. When we think about that term or that phrase, physicians of the soul, uh, it's hard in our modern context to really think about the role of a minister as a physician. Dr. Yule, can you just describe a little bit about how uh, the Puritans uh, took on that phrase or that that label as physicians of the soul from uh, some of their works in the past? Certainly. I think uh, there are a couple of things that uh, led to that designation. That, I mean, that's something that you'll, you'll find in the literature. You'll find the Puritans referred to as physicians of the soul. And I think it, I think it emerged for, for two chief reasons. The first being their ability to uh, identify the problem, so assess mm-hmm. people's spiritual condition. They were uh, very keen in terms of looking beyond life circumstances, looking beyond the externals, and getting to the literally the heart of the matter, mm-hmm. and understanding what is it in the heart of man that gives rise to the way we think, the way we talk, the way we act, the decisions we make, the dreams and the aspirations we have. And so they were very good at diagnosing the problem, mm-hmm and very clear on the fact that ultimately the problem resides in the depravity of the human heart. And then coupled with that, they were very, very good in when it came to the remedy, prescribing the remedy, and the gospel, and what it means to be in union with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so they were just experts at identifying the ailment, the problem, and they excelled then at applying the gospel to the problem. Uh, very unique in that way, and um, something we, we could really learn from them today. Yeah, I, and one of the reasons we, we choose this topic, I, I've personally benefited so much from the writings of the Puritans, especially with uh, a more clear understanding of, of how to see the problem, as you mentioned, because I, I guess in the modern, we're so clouded with modern thinking, modern ideology relative to, uh, whether that be secular psychology and different philosophies, uh, trying to interpret man's problems from a very different paradigm. And the Puritans were nestled nicely into a historical context context where there was suffering was real they saw suffering as a part of the brokenness of life uh, but yet they were they were anchored to the scriptures to be able to describe and understand all of the suffering in relation to this world that God had made and the brokenness caused by sin and so this description of them being physicians of the soul I think about that in in our context and our specific role in the ways in which we minister, uh, there's so much to benefit. One of the benefits that I see is uh, the way in which the Puritans married or wed together doctrine 
and practice. This is such a critical thing. In the modern, sometimes we have a tendency to put doctrine in ivory tower. It's the guys who sit in the office and just think all day. Uh, they're the they're the theology guys. They they think about doctrine all day. Doctrine can be divisive. So well, we really don't want that on the ground level. And but the the Puritans were able to do such a, a handy job, and I think a very thoroughly biblical job at wedding those two things together, which makes practice much more valuable because it is so grounded, rooted, maybe even saturated in uh, doctrinal truth. Can you describe uh, the ways in which the Puritans? wed those two things together, the beauty of doctrine with the necessity of practice. That's a very good observation, and it is difficult. I won't pretend otherwise. It is difficult for us to grasp because we we live on the other side of the Enlightenment, Hmm. and um, we have a very different worldview from the one the Puritans had. We have a very different concept of humanity of man than the Puritans had, and even our understanding of what it means to know, knowledge, mm-hmm. is very different. When we, when we throw around the word knowledge, we're thinking strictly in terms of the cerebral. To know is to understand. To know is to grasp something cognitively. Uh, to know is to be able to regurgitate facts or figures or whatever. Um, that is foreign in pre-Enlightenment thinking going back into the 1600s and the 1500s. And the Puritans were very strong on this. The Reformers were very strong on this, Mm. that you don't know anything until you actually act on it. See, we've divorced it. We, We think to know is strictly of the mind, and then to feel is of the heart, to act is of the will, and these things are all separate. But in the Puritan, in the Puritan understanding, uh, knowledge involves the the entire being, the whole man. To really know something, yes, is to understand it cognitively, but it is also to have that truth then grip the affections of the heart and for the life then to be conformed to those affections and to that understanding. And so to know something is to be affected by it, influenced by it, and to live life accordingly. And so they would often differentiate, they'll use an expression, they'll differentiate between a mere theoretical knowledge, which is usually what we mean, mm-hmm. and uh, a practical knowledge. And they, they hammered away at this, the need for a practical knowledge. To, to know something is to, to act upon it. And so it is wedded in their minds, therefore, the need for sound doctrine, orthodoxy, and the need for application, praxis, uh, living it out. Mm-hmm. Um, th- these two are inseparable in their thinking. Mm-hmm. And so uh, William Perkins, who was the father of English Puritanism, he said theology is the science of living blessedly forever. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes no sense to us today. <laughs> for us, theology is picking up a systematic theology book and reading a bunch of facts. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have understood that. For them, theology is the science of living blessedly forever. It's a life conformed to the will of God and a life lived in the enjoyment of God that, yes, obviously flows from an apprehension of the truth. But if the life is not being lived out in the enjoyment of God, Mm. then that isn't real knowing. That is simply theory. And uh, so they excel in that area, and there's so much we could learn from them in that regard. So what are... 
just for us, maybe personally, what are some of the ways that we can, on a personal level, uh, revisit or reintroduce ourselves or, or pursue uh, on purpose with intentionality, marrying this idea of doctrine and practice much the same way the Puritans did? I mean, what are some key things that we can uh, pursue or to aim at uh, in order to wrap our minds around uh, this idea of uh, making theology necessary for life so that we uh, make it the practice, or, or how did you say that, the science of uh, living. Living blessedly forever. Yeah. How, yeah. How, do, how do we do that in a modern context? Just some, some raw things that, that we could pursue uh, to make sure that we're, we're living life out of healthy doctrine. You know, the, they're, they're, the answer to that, well, there are a number of answers. It begs, you know, further analysis. So just to, to boil it down just to the basics, I think the, the, the main, the chief answer is, um, is meditation. Mm. The lost art in the church today, I even use the word, I need to define it right away because it's widely misunderstood as to what it is. But uh, biblical meditation is um, a lost discipline in the church, and for the Puritans, and I agree with them on this, it is the the key means by which the the Spirit of God makes the truth of God, the Word of God, come alive in the soul. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's not merely studying Scripture, although that is absolutely important. It's not reading Scripture, although that too is essential, because we can't meditate on what we do not know. Uh, It's not the mere memorization, although that too is an important place. It is taking time and disciplining ourselves in this regard to to dwell upon Scripture, Mm -hmm. think through Scripture, ask questions of Scripture. They would go to the, you know, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, for for example. What do the Scriptures primarily teach? Well, they teach us what we're to believe about God, and what duty God requires of us. If we just asked those two questions of every text we read, we, we'd be doing so well. Um, you know, what does this text teach me concerning God, mm-hmm. who He is? And, and think about that. And what duty does this text require of me? Mm-hmm. And how does my life measure up? What is it God requires of me? And what is it am I going, that I'm going to change today? And so they see this meditation, and we see it in the Psalms. We see it in Paul's writings. We see it throughout the Word of God. This this idea of um, making Scripture the object of our intentional thought, uh, whereby we seek, by the Spirit's help, obviously by the grace of God, to impress the truth of Scripture upon the soul, whereby the love of God really grips us. The reality of hell and heaven grip us. The urgency and the brevity of life, this, these become realities, because the problem, you face it, I face it, we all face it. So many of these truths are mere abstractions, mm-hmm. right? They're mere abstractions, and they come and go, and at times we act so contrary and antithetically to them. And so this is the great uh, emphasis, I think, within Puritanism, the cultivation of the spiritual life, was taking time to meditate on these things and work them down deep within the heart. Yeah, so we we think about Puritans, especially in the modern. We've done a uh, we're we're well on the way, I say, to uh, to regaining an understanding of uh, of some key Puritans. We think a lot about 
uh, guys like John Owen or even Richard Baxter uh, and some of their writings. And, and um, so we're, we're somewhat familiar with them. I've been introduced to several Puritans, uh, some of those by you. Um, John Flavel's written a book called Triumphing Over Sinful Fear. Uh, George Swinnick, uh, you edited uh, this volume as well on The Blessed and Boundless God. I, I've benefited so much from those. Uh, Swinnick in particular, uh, just a revisitation of the beauty of God, the grandeur of God, really describing the attributes of God. I've even used that in a in more of a devotional way, reading uh, aspects of Scripture and then seeing how um, Swinnick describes that. Uh, those have been certainly impactful on me in the way that I think, in the way that I think about God, in the way that I think about uh, living in relation to God. You've read extensively in the area of the Puritans. You've done deep study on this area as well. Uh, who are some of the key people and maybe some of the key concepts uh, that, that has really impacted you and helped you to, to uh, understand Scripture a little bit better from their perspective and where they lived in the context uh, that they lived in? Who are some of those guys? Well, I think uh, you mentioned a couple of them. Uh, George Swinnick, definitely. I spent a lot of time with George years ago, <laughs> and um, and John Flavel, you made mention of him as well. They are two towers, really, when it comes to uh, Puritan piety, spirituality. And the other, there are two more that have been very influential in my life. The one is William Perkins, who many describe as the father of English Puritanism, because he lived a little earlier in the 1500s during the reign of Elizabeth I, and he, you know, many of the the thought forms and key concepts and truths that become central to English Puritanism, well, they're all there in seminal form in the writings of William Perkins. So he's extremely important. And then the other one would be Thomas Manton, who I've been reading. I've been reading a lot of Manton of late over the past few years, and he's he's become a real good friend, Mm -hmm. though long gone. And um, in terms of major themes, um, yeah, the vision of God's glory, certainly. They have such a, uh, just a God-honoring way of thinking. Um, that's an expansive view of who the Lord is. And, and I, that has just been so helpful to me at, at different times in my life. Their emphasis on, on union with Christ, mm. that's, a, that's a lost doctrine in our day. And yet I would go insofar as to say that it's the heart of the gospel, what it means to be one with the Lord Jesus, what it means to derive our identity from Him, Mm -hmm. what it means to realize that, uh, you know, I've been crucified with Christ, the life I live, you know, I now live by, you know, by faith in Him, uh, the one who loved me and gave Himself up for me. And what does it mean to, to live that out, to have your identity completely shaped by what it means to be one with, with Christ and just, how that is so key to cultivating hope and strengthening faith and kindling our love. And I think the, the big, the third area in which they've really helped me, I mean, there are lots, but this would be, I think, the third, just to round it out nicely, is their, their emphasis on the future, on, uh, on heaven as our, as our immediate hope, and on the new heavens and the new earth, the beatific vision as our ultimate hope. Um, they've been very helpful in that regard. We, we, you know, we expect to live well into our 80s, don't we? Mm. But these were guys who didn't expect to make it out of their 30s. I mean, the infant mortality rate was through the roof. Mm. Average life expectancy was maybe 36. 
I mean, they lived each day as if it were their last, and so they they lived sort of on the cusp of eternity, and it just seems that eternity was that much more real to them, and the promises of God, and then their hope, that much more vibrant, and so I I still have a lot to learn from them in this regard, but I, I have certainly gleaned much, and yeah, much more to go. I think for us, uh, this has been a super helpful discussion, I think for me personally, and then for those who will be listening to the podcast, I, I think... Uh, learning from folks who have thought deeply about the Word of God in history past is really uh, helpful to us, not being disconnected from the flow of Christian history and the way people thought. Not that they were perfect in everything that they thought, uh, no, but but no. they yeah, but they wrestled with um, you know the the same realities and struggles of sin that that we wrestle with even today. You, you mentioned earlier Thomas Manton as being one of the guys who who have uh, influenced you greatly, and you spent a lot of time with him recently. Well, part of that is because uh, Dr. Yule uh, recently released uh, a book that he edited uh, on Thomas Manton called Great Spoil, Thomas Manton's Spirituality of the Word. And so I wanted to introduce you guys to that resource. Uh, If the things that we've talked about today have been intriguing to you and helpful to you, he's edited several other works uh, that you can find from Reformation Heritage Books that I think you would would, uh, find as helpful. Uh, today, even when you think about counseling issues, uh, the Puritans dealt with those counseling issues on a bedrock of solid orthodoxy. And so I want to encourage you to to go seek those out on John Flavel, as we mentioned, and also uh, George Swinnick. Dr. Yule, this has been great. I've really enjoyed uh, the time we've been able to spend together uh, talking about one of my favorite subjects, um, the Puritans and doctrine and practice. It's been great for me, too. Thank you very much. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. If you enjoyed this conversation between myself and Dr. Yule, I'm excited to let you know that he is going to be with us this October for our annual conference. He'll be one of our plenary speakers. I know you're going to enjoy the wisdom that the Lord has given Dr. Yule, and you'll enjoy his ministry to us as a group. I want to encourage you to be there at our annual conference this year in October, The Valley of the Shadow, Suicide, Self-Harm, and Scripture. You can find out more information about our annual conference and other resources that we offer through ACBC at biblicalcounseling.com.